Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. Thank you for listening. In this episode, we meet with Andy George, the YouTube star of How to Make Everything. His channel has over 1.25 million subscribers, and one of his most viewed videos has 18 million views. His entire channel focuses on how to make things from scratch. He travels the world on a mission to understand everything from how to make a sandwich, whether that is growing your own grain to make your own bread, hunting for your own meat for the sandwich, and then growing a garden for lettuce and tomatoes and everything else that goes with it. Um, and it's it's a really cool series, and we're so so excited to have him on today to talk about all the things with not only how he got to that many many subscribers, but also how he continues to beat the YouTube algorithm as it's always changing. So let's get into this week's episode number ninety seven: How to Make Everything with YouTube Star Andy George. So tell me a little bit more about what your channel's all about and how you got started. Uh, I started it just a curiosity of what goes into making food. And uh, I was curious what it would take to make a single, single meal, and uh, how hard would that be? All these kind of steps you don't think about, and uh, so I decided to make something that seemed simple but was really complex—a sandwich, because it composed of a lot of different things—and mm-hmm. um, that kind of opened a door into kind of a, a new way to look at the world. I thought by dissecting it and trying to do it yourself. Um, so I started with a sandwich. And then kind of expanded into everything else. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So for the sandwich one, so you decided, you know, you're going to, I'm going to make a YouTube video around this sandwich. How did you even start that? Like, what was that process like? Were you like, I'm going to start with the bread first? And then where, how did you go from there? Um, kind of outlined, I, I think I mostly targeted like things I was curious about, like uh, trying to make my own flour by growing my own grain was one thing. Um, having to kill my own meat was something. I didn't understand what mayo or cheese, like the process of making them mm-hmm. um, and butter. Like I knew they were kind of related, but what, what makes them separate? Um, so I kind of looked at specific things I wanted to, to try and combine them into one sandwich. Was it just like a ton of research on how to do all of those things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Started there. Yeah. Um, and then what kind of, what inspired you to start making videos to begin with? Like, why did you set, I mean, obviously you came up with the concept for the, for the, how to make everything started, but how did you decide to go down the video route? Um, I started almost went in a different direction when I was in high school. I thought I wanted to go into chemistry mm-hmm. and then I took a bunch of college classes on chemistry and it was a lot more technical than I wanted. So I kind of decided I wanted to do something more creative I wasn't sure at first and then kind of experimented with a few things and really enjoyed video as kind of an, an art form as a way to tell a story. So I decided I wanted to do something with video. I wasn't really sure what. So I went to school for post-production mm-hmm. and um, there kind of learned how to do a lot of different types of post, post-production, visual effects, motion graphics, um, and then just kind of learned more about video making and kind of found I had a, a really deep interest in documentary filmmaking. Um, so then after I finished college, I ended up getting a few different jobs doing advertisement that I wasn't too satisfied with mm-hmm. and really wanted to go down this documentary road. I wasn't sure how to like get into that. So that's where I had the idea of the sandwich and I figured oh, I could, I, at first I just wanted to do it, not even film it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I, that might make a decent video, might be kind of a, a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's why I decided to film it as a video. I wasn't sure what it was going to turn into. Um, and then what made you put it on YouTube? Um, 
Well, I first I made it as a documentary, mm-hmm. uh, as a film, and put it into film festivals, and then got some connections to try and try and turn it into a TV show. Uh, we aired it on local television, and that didn't seem to really get much traction. Or, and um, so we wanted to kind of get a larger, larger audience so we could make it go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started cutting up some of the episodes. We made like seven episodes for a short TV run. Um, started cutting them up and throwing them online, and it was hard to get any traction just because nobody knows to look at you. Mm-hmm. So I figured, like, if we're going to do anything, we got to make, like, a really condensed version because people don't have attention span on the internet. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> make it really clickable. So I took the sandwich and cut it down to three minutes. It was originally, like, a 40-minute documentary. And uh, give it a, a nice title of How to Make a $1,500 Sandwich in Six Months. <laughs> in only six months. <laughs> oh, that's all. <laughs> Then uh, posted it to Reddit just to see if it got any traction. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe I'd get a little bit of a following, maybe kind of build some initial blocks of a small core audience. Uh, but ended up going to like the front page of Reddit and just kind of blew up and just spread everywhere in uh, a viral video. <laughs> <laughs> and then is that when you so you put it on Reddit and are you a like an a, like a do you use Reddit a lot and that's what made you put it on there? Yeah. Uh, a lurker. <laughs> a lurker. <laughs> a lurker. <laughs> One of my first posts. So then did you think, because my next question was going to jump into like, who is your target audience? Did you have a target audience in mind that was going to watch these videos? Or were you just like, whoever is interested in this, just get it out there? Yeah, pretty much whoever. <laughs> uh, I think the audience we kind of seemed to get on local television was very different mm-hmm. than what was on Reddit and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every everything's kind of attracted a different audience, which is seems to be good that it attracts pretty much anybody. Yeah. So when you were cutting it down, you originally made, you know, this long form documentary mm-hmm. and then you obviously cut it down for TV where those 30 minute episodes or yep. 23 minutes with any commercials in yeah. there, I suppose. And then you cut it down to three minutes for YouTube. Mm-hmm. How was, how was that process of cutting 40 minutes, well, <laughs> six months to 40 minutes to episodes to three minutes? What was that like? Um, I think cutting it to the TV was probably the hardest just because it was kind of my baby, 40 minutes. Like, it was a hard struggle. You want to show all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we struggled a lot to get down to just the TV length. And then after that, I think I was just wanted to do, do something. So I was just cutting everything at it. <laughs> You're like done over. <laughs> like, <I'm> just- Yeah. <laughs> do, do you feel like the story is told well enough in three minutes on, on YouTube, even even though 40 minutes was your baby? Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as a complete story. You, you get the gist of it. It's it's more of a trailer, I guess. Sure. Uh, but it was enough to get people to like watch the rest of the series and get them to watch more. Yeah, that's good. So with the other videos that you've spun off of this first one, have have those, were, do you have, obviously you have a lot more content there, and do you cut mm-hmm. all of them down to about that two to three minute ratio? Uh, we experimented with a few different ways of doing it because we started with the, the 20, 25 minute roughly TV episodes that we then cut down into different segments. And then we do would try to do a condensed version of each one at the end. And we didn't really, it seemed to, we couldn't get lightning to strike twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the f- first time it worked great for the sandwich and we tried again for the suit and it was okay. Um, cause I made a clothing from scratch for a suit. Um, and then uh, I tried. I think it was book after that, and a root beer. Um, none of them really got the same traction. Um, it was kind of just that initial flash in a pan, 
Um, so it's been kind of a long process of experimenting, like what works best for our content for YouTube. And we eventually kind of transitioned to more of a condensed video of what used to be a full episode, 30 minute episode into more like 10 to 15 minutes and make it really, really tightly packed. Um, and that seemed to get a lot more traction. We started doing that. I think eyeglasses, uh, might've been coffee. We did coffee and then eyeglasses. And after that, things started to really pick up. And then, so your most viewed video right now on YouTube has 18 million views and it's, can you melt obsidian and cast a sword? How did you come up with that idea in the first place? <laughs> and did you expect that one to be your biggest one? No, uh, that was, was a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> like how did this happen? <laughs> Cause we did a video, uh, like four months before that one on, uh, flint napping obsidian, which is where you just break it into sharp shards and then you. I embedded it into like a piece of wood to make kind of a rough sword. Picture like Game of Thrones style yeah. or something. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Um, and that that did fairly well. But there's a lot of comments asking like, "Can you cast it?" And like, I remember originally reading those and like, "That's dumb. It's not a metal. <laughs> I can't can't cast it like a metal." Um, but I was also working with a lot of glass, which is kind of an ongoing challenge throughout the series. So I'm trying to make clear glass. And along the way, I kind of learned like you can cast glass. Obsidian is a type of glass. Um, and you can melt it. You can use things called fluxes, which helps lower the melting point. It makes it easier to melt and to work with and flow. I was like, might actually be able to do this. So it was kind of just on the side. I kept experimenting with it, but it requires a really high heat, and we had pretty low budget, so I kept uh, having to buy these really cheap kilns to get it hot enough, mm -hmm. and uh, they they kept breaking in the process. Um, so then it ended up racking up quite a bit of money. <laughs> In the pursuit of doing this, uh, I, I justified it because it was helped me learn things to eventually make glass, which is kind of one of our, our key key video series mm -hmm. that was going at that time. Um, so I finally got it and was able to cast something that at least resembled a sword and um, figured I'll just put this out there. Like, hopefully we'll get some money back from this. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the video, I'm talking about how he spent a lot of money and I'm probably not going to make any back. <laughs> <laughs> um and so we posted it and then it just, something something different happened with it where it just mm -hmm. went even more viral and uh, got up to 16 million, 18 million. Um, it was a very, very different form of viralness than the sandwich was. So the sandwich was like picked up by every, every news outlet and different websites were talking about it. Mm -hmm. Where this one, it was all pretty much within YouTube. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you think that it was because you you mentioned you had read some of the comments on a different post about making it, and then you took that advice and and produced that video? Do you do you do that a lot now with videos? As you look at the comments and then produce things based on that, or is that a one off thing? Uh, we try to do as much as possible. Yeah, um, feedback. Yeah, I think that definitely fed into it because the algorithm for YouTube is based off of whether people initially like it. So if you're pushing something that your audience likes, that's going to reinforce it and help it to grow more and more. Um, I feel like we've tried to repeat that with other things and nothing has quite struck the same same chord. Um, so as far as like you mentioned a little bit about budget. So when you're producing these videos, I mean, I you talk about, I mean, six months to make a sandwich. You've made a suit coat. You've made eyeglasses, the, the sword. Mm -hmm. What kind of budget are you? Do you have a specific budget for each one you make? I can't even imagine how expensive that has to be to make things from scratch. <laughs> how do you how do you go about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a kind of a rough budget it's been 
it's hard because it's like the more time I put into something and then like really get it to a complete state, the better reaction it gets and the more money it ends, mm-hmm. ends up bringing in. So I guess it's kind of just gauging like and kind of trying to guess. I think this video will be really good and bring a lot of money. So we should keep pouring money into it, mm-hmm. hoping it works. Um, I think our latest video, though, was very much that was our, our T-shirt video a couple months ago. Um, or that ended up taking three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, mo- a lot of it was just delays with other things. Like I tried, trying to grow stuff and not working and having to redo it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of sit in the back burner. Um, but then like the final, when we actually got into spinning and weaving and sewing it, that ended up taking a long amount of time. And it was, a, it was definitely a big question. Like, are we just wasting a bunch of money on a project that might not get a lot of views? And fortunately it did. Is this your first channel? Your first YouTube channel? Pretty much. I mean, I have a personal one. Yeah. But you've never like had like any other. No. Oh gosh. That's so crazy. So how many projects are you working on at a time? Uh, we try to have like a, a four week production cycle, um, doing like each week, doing a different phase, um, all at the same time. So we're in general working on four videos, actively shooting preferably one a week um right now we're we're always playing catch up especially this week we're, i think we're trying to shoot three different videos to catch back up um to try and meet a weekly release schedule which youtube almost kind of demands with their algorithm um uh yeah we're always forecasting out videos and then kind of try to start start any pre-production that needs to start if I don't grow anything or if I have have to travel somewhere or find a, a unique, super unique expert, try and get the ball rolling on that. And then, so as far as like, um, like the travel or thing, do you have like a team that goes with you or do you just produce the video yourself? What does that, what does that process look like? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, our last travel ones, uh, was, I was just taking a vacation out over to Europe and decided I'd make a stop in England and film a few things that we wouldn't be able to film back here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just filmed myself and found somebody at the location that could hold the camera. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, Did you tell them what, what it was for? And yeah. that this was like a gigantic YouTube channel? And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm a YouTube star? <laughs> don't, don't, I don't know if you know. <laughs> uh, other times, usually I might bring a camera guy with me. Mm-hmm. Um Usually, usually pretty small crew. Do you have any um, like techniques for filming or maybe someone listening to maybe wants to start a YouTube channel or just do video in general? Do you have any specific techniques that you've noticed over time that work really well? Um, I think just uh, keeping at it, I guess, is the, is the main thing that I've, your first ones aren't going to be great. Um, you just keep going and you get better and you get better and just kind of don't be afraid of kind of sucking at first. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like that's almost like the thesis of my series is like being willing to try something new, mm. even though you've never done it before and just fail horribly at it until you can get it and figure it out. So, so these projects take the t-shirt, which took, you said three years. Mm-hmm. Are you filming that entire three year cycle, the whole process, or do you wait until you know how to do it and then work on filming during, you know, production week or something? How, how does that happen? You know, how does that work when things get stretched and stretched and stretched? Um, I mean, there's different points where we make sure to film it. Um, the big, I guess the time consuming part of the t-shirt was first growing the cotton. So we filmed the process of planting it, growing them and then harvesting 
um, on like four different days. And then, um, then, then it was, I was, the thing that kind of ended up delaying was I kept trying to grow dyes and they kept dying on me. <laughs> uh, plant dyes. <laughs> Pun intended? <laughs> not, not, entirely. not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, uh, I kept ended up pushing it back. So I want my original goal was to grow everything for the t-shirt. I thought that'd make a, a more catchy title. <laughs> um, so the plants kept dying. I ended up going more with the pigment base, which is more like minerals. Um, probably worked better. And I did a few dyes that I was able to work to make work. Um, so there's a, there was a fair amount of gap where I just weren't really filming anything. It was just trying to grow things and then not working out. Um, and then we got back into filming and that was kind of just sporadic or, uh, for, um, some of the longer process, just set up a camera and time lapse it. Cool. Um, do you do any YouTube advertising to promote the videos or is this purely just you post them out there and they just go and do what they need to do? Uh, I don't, I don't know if we have done any advertising. We, we've mm -hmm. talked about trying it, but it seems that we're, we're kind of like in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. So we just got to do something that, that hits the right notes and then it'll pick it up and push it more than anything we could just pay for. And then when did you start your YouTube channel? Uh, we started 2015. How would you say the algorithm, algorithm has changed over the past four years that you've been posting videos? Um, I mean, it's always kind of a mystery, so you don't know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, YouTube. <laughs> uh, I know a big change they made was counting minutes instead of views that happened fairly early on, I think, and that kind of uh, pushes uh, content creators to make longer video. And I think that's kind of part of why we made our change is because first we felt like we had to keep them short, under 10 minutes, otherwise nobody's going to watch them. But then YouTube kind of has tried to transition that like longer content is good content. Um, so then we felt like it could get a little bit longer to 15 and up to 20 minutes. And um, it is nice that people are willing to watch that. So tell me a little bit more about that. So you're saying like views versus minutes watched. So YouTube, if, if you someone stays and watches more of the video, then are they... Your, your channel goes up, the video gets shown more. How does that, how does that work? Yeah, my understanding of the algorithm is the two factors it values most are the, the click-through, how many people are clicking on it, and then minutes watched. So if they watch a lot of minutes, then it's going to push it more. Mm, gotcha. So, and then you had gotten a YouTube milestone. So tell me a little bit more about that and what you had to do to get to that level. Um, yeah, I mean, like a, I think the biggest goal for a lot of people are at least just starting out or even doing it for a little while is the 1 million subscriber milestone. Mm -hmm. um, when we started, I feel like that meant a lot more than now that we're there. Um, but we reached that early this year. And uh, so that was a lot of, that was pretty exciting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> seemed like a, a far off milestone that we'd never reach. And now we have. Um, so they send us the, the gold golden play button. Mm -hmm. um, and I also made my own play button that incorporated a little bit of all of the videos we've done so far. Cool. Is, is that a video, how to make yep. a, a million subscribers on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you got a lot of hits from that. <laughs> and so when you hit that million subscriber mark, like what, does that open any more doors with YouTube or anything like that? Or is it basically just, you hit it, you like you said, and let's keep going and make keep making more content? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a more of a mental thing at this point, mm -hmm. I think, of just like, it's a big number, so yeah, it looks more impressive, huge. and it makes makes you feel more legitimate in doing this. Um, 
the sad thing is that as kind of the algorithm has changed, how many subscribers you have isn't as important. Um, so it's always, even though you have a million subscribers, your content isn't always going to be pushed to all of them. Mm-hmm. So you you have to like still make clickable content that's going to get picked up by the algorithm to push it even to the people that are subscribed. So speaking of the algorithm and the changes that have happened, you know, Mm -hmm. in four years, do you feel like there's anything, any thread in your videos or in your production that you can point to that's been constant through all the algorithm changes? And no matter what YouTube says is a good video or a video that they'll promote, is there anything that that stayed constant in all the videos that you've made? Uh, I I say... Our core concept and everything has has stayed the same. It's just been kind of packaged slightly different to better match the algorithm. Uh, I think we've always kind of had an interest in like producing quality content that I want to do and people hopefully want to see that um, is hopefully learning at least something in the process. Um, So I think we've maintained that. Sure. Um, I think we've tried to avoid like becoming too clickbaity and uh, dumbing down our content too much. That was going to be my next question because I watch a lot of um, like the Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson series and things like that. And you can you can tell when you're when you're looking at the what's the the, the title page that the first clip that you look at. Um, oh, the, the thumbnail that you see. Yeah, the before thumbnail. You click on it? Like there's a whole science behind the thumbnail mm, to put. Yeah. So have you kind of learned how that works and what to put there? Or I'd say it's still a learning curve mm-hmm. and still tweaking it and figuring out the best way to do it. Um, I think we've gotten better, but it's still, I don't know. There's a lot of things with the algorithm where it's just kind of trying to read tea leaves and guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why did this video work and this one didn't? Was it the day the day we happened to post it, the time of the day, the thumbnail, the title, or just something we have no control over? It's hard to Are say. there certain metrics in like the, the YouTube dashboard that you look at at all, like audience demographics or anything like that that you look into? Um, or is it more just about how many views and hits you're getting on the videos? It's more just the views, I think, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, I mean, we look at what our demographic is and try to kind of play to that. Yeah. We tried stretching our demographic because it's very male uh, biased right now. So we tried to do like a female uh, series, which was more on cosmetics, yeah. and that didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> you learn. You just learn. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. seems to be better to play to your audience rather than mm-hmm. risking alienating them. How do you, how do you balance like just depth of knowledge? Like you, you're researching a ton and talking to experts and you've, I mean, you're doing everything from scratch. How do Mm -hmm. you balance that depth of knowledge that you have to come up with in a certain field versus how much you tell people in in the video? Um, Yeah, I feel like in the process I've learned how to like best pick the bullet points and condense it and just deliver what they need to know. Um, a, a big issue is kind of um, how much research you should do and can do before you make a video that um, it, it kind of can turn into a kind of a rabbit hole of need to research more and more and more. And at some point you just got to do it, fail and learn from your failures. Um, I know some people view that and see it as very frustrating to watch me do something that they know better than and see me <laughs> fail. <laughs> But I, in the end, I find that's kind of the best way to learn is to just do it. Um, learn as much as you can, try it out, and then in your failures, you learn a lot quicker, I think. 
have you revisited any any of the videos and tried again with new information? Yeah, uh, it's been f- somewhat frequent. Um, our biggest one is glass, and that one was I think it was like six attempts or six videos, um, more attempts in each video of trying new things, learning new things, and finally getting it down. And that was kind of a slow process, and that was something that was really difficult to research because nobody makes their own glass. They always just buy a, a pre-made mixture and or buy already made glass. Um, so like having to dig back to Roman recipes and then how to f- figure that to a, a modern technology of what I can get a hold of, it was it took a lot of trial and error. Wow, that's so cool. I know, I'm just like... I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your favorite video to make out of all the ones you've done so far? Uh, chocolate. The chocolate? Yeah. Would you just, just cause you could eat chocolate or like, that would be my favorite part. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seems like a pretty big selling point to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was easily our, our best tasting result mm-hmm. of any, any edible based thing we tried, but it was also really cool cause we went down to Mexico and got to harvest it from a tree. And this is one of those things that I realized, like, I, I have no idea where chocolate comes from. I didn't know it came from a fruit. I didn't know that you have to ferment it and then you dry it and roast it. And that there's this whole process that you don't even think about. You just like chocolate. Like I, I grew up on it, mm-hmm. but I don't know where it comes from. When you're setting up these shoots, cause like you're going on trips and you're traveling, like do you, are you just randomly reaching out to people through diff- I don't even know. How are you finding these people to connect with to help you out and make this, make this happen? Uh, it's usually just just Googling and yeah. <laughs> sending emails and calling people and seeing what sticks. Are you using social media at all? Like, are you like DMing people on Instagram or anything like that? We do that occasionally. Um, sometimes just make an open request on mm-hmm. social media. Usually doesn't get the best results. It's actually a little frustrating because I, I will try and do something, not find anybody I can connect with, and then kind of go with a alternative option and mm-hmm. then after the video goes out and a wide audience sees it, then somebody in the comments will be like, oh yeah, I could have gotten you that for, for you. <laughs> well, now you tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do, speaking of comments, how do, you, how do you manage comments? How do you deal with comments? Because I'm sure you get a yeah. wide variety of positive, negative, and everything in between. How, how, do, you, <laughs> how do you handle all that? Yeah, it's it's a hard balance of like wanting to read all of them because you you want to know what people think so you can adjust things in the future so people like it. But at the same time, it's just a lot of people just like to complain or they like to nitpick or make themselves feel smart by pointing something out. Um, a lot of people like to explain something that I've already explained in the video. <laughs> it's like uh, I make a mistake and I tell you, oh, yeah, this is a mistake. This is how you do it the correct way. I found out later. And then somebody will repeat the entire thing in the comments, basically. (laughs) You're always going to have haters. Oh, yeah. Out of the game. Um, The big question I want to ask you is the money question. Mm -hmm. So you have all these subscribers, all these Mm -hmm. views. Is is YouTube your full-time job now? Yeah. So you're fully doing this now. And then do you have sponsors? Are you actively seeking out sponsors? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, we're always open to sponsors and we get random ones that'll email us and we'll see if they are a good match and if the dollar amounts add up. Um, so a lot, a lot, large chunk of our money comes from just YouTube ad revenue through mm-hmm. the ads that play on it. Um, they also have Patreon, which uh, is a smaller amount, but it's a more stable amount because the ad revenue can vary a lot. Um, it's really scary. Summers, it always seems to dip down. Um, so there's always a little bit of a panic the past couple summers of like mm-hmm. our numbers are dropping. I don't know why. Yeah. 
as people just decide they don't like this channel anymore or what. <laughs> um, then we have uh, paid sponsors um, that uh, they they kind of come and go, mm-hmm. and so like, we can have quite a few one month and then none for several months or something. So it's hard to say like a exact dollar amount because it, mm-hmm. it's very variable, which really makes it hard to like budget a video because we yeah. don't know how much money it's going to make and how much is it, how much money we have coming in and um, yeah. So it's very up and down. For the paid sponsors, are you essentially incorporating like uh, like their in, their um, brand into your content? And if you are, then like how do you keep that natural so it still is that how to make everything brand? Um, we've we've been trying to get into like something that fits really naturally and would uh, not take away from the video. Um, most of them aren't that way though. They're very separate. Like we make our own commercial for it that's very separate from the rest of the video. And I think it's a lot of, um, a lot of companies that just kind of spread a wide net on a lot of YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. And so they they aren't necessarily looking for super great integration. Yeah, there's like just name drop us. Cool. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And then do you have um, like recurring sponsors that come back every year or is it, it just kind of depends on the season and the videos that you're doing perhaps? Uh, a lot of them are one-off. We have one consistent sponsor with Mel, Mel Science. Um, and are they based? Where are they based out of? Uh, their headquarters are in London, I think. Oh, so not around here. Okay, I'm just yeah. kind of curious, like where are you. I mean, I'm sure you get people all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of them tend to come from Russia for some reason. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> are we get, are we gonna get in trouble for that? <laughs> So how long have you been doing YouTube full time since you've started the channel? Um, so I started in 2015 mm-hmm. and it was like, it really paid my, was my primary source of income starting, uh, 2017, I think. Cool. Um, I still do freelance on the side even now mm-hmm. just cause it, it pays, but it doesn't pay well. <laughs> yeah. You think for a million subscribers, I don't know why. I just feel like that's like, you're, d- you're done. You can retire now. <laughs> um, but what, so what is your, what are your next goals for the next year with YouTube and the channel and, and everything you're doing? Uh, the biggest thing right now is just kind of trying to find a stable point, um, trying to get a consistent number of views on our videos, just so we can kind of tell how much money we can spend on it. And um, it's been a lot, kind of like a, a lot of work and late nights to get us to a million and now kind of don't want to have to kill ourselves consistently. It's like we want to kind of reach, I don't know if I call it like a coasting point. So I don't want to coast, but like a comfortable, stable level. Um, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. So uh, just answer whatever comes to your, to your mind first. Best thing about YouTube? Uh, I'd say it's open to anyone. Worst um, thing about YouTube? The comments. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever met anyone from YouTube in real life? Yeah, people we've collaborated with. And any advice for new YouTubers? Um, make sure you enjoy it. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's all I got for rapid fire. Can, can I take that a little bit deeper? Um, somebody getting started on YouTube, talk about it from a production standpoint. Like obviously you've talked about content and making great content and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out what works with the algorithm and making sure you love it. But from a, from like a gear standpoint or a a filming standpoint, what do you, what do you need to get started? What do you, what do you think? Uh, I'd say you don't really need much. 
Um, even in our videos, we'll occasionally throw in a cell phone footage mm -hmm. just because it's they're pretty good nowadays, and um, a lot of it is just about c capturing kind of what's going on. And sometimes just a cell phone is enough. Um, we try to we try to do a, a fairly high production quality just because we all kind of come from film and want it to look good and want it to be something we can be proud of. But uh, what's nice about YouTube is that you don't have to do that. You can be very basic, and uh, a lot of a lot of what works on YouTube is when it's authentic and when people can kind of kind of see what, what you're excited about and can get excited through you and can kind of um, join you on whatever journey you're going on. So YouTube seems to be kind of is your hub for everything, but mm -hmm. I know you guys have a website and other social channels. Do you still use those to promote videos or even Reddit? Like when you first started, do you still use that? Or is YouTube really, you just put it on YouTube and let it grow? Uh, I mean, we kind of experimented with everything in the beginning, trying mm -hmm. to see like what trying to get anything to, to pick up traction and push to it for a while. It was even using Imager and making um, GIFs from our videos and using that to point back to our YouTube channel, which got decent traction when we were still pretty small. Um, but I think around the time where we like really kind of figured out how to play to the algorithm, it just seemed like you just do it in YouTube and that, that'll be the best result. Awesome. This is great. Um, all the links we talked about in today's podcast will be in the show notes at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP97. Thanks so much for being on with us, Andy. Yeah, no problem. Make sure to subscribe to the Social Feed Podcast with Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player to get a brand new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. We would love to hear what you guys think about the podcast. If, and you can do that by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or join our Facebook group. If you go to Facebook, go to your search bar, type in social feed podcast and you will accept it on our end and let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. The social feed is a production of Hubbard interactive with music provided by Minneapolis based artist, John Atwell.